Well, we're really glad that you're here at Kerbinsville Alliance this morning. We're going to be looking at a couple passages of Scripture. The first one is in Luke 2, so I would encourage you to open your Bibles there. There's a Bible app event for this if you want to follow along on a smartphone. But Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be at first, and then eventually we're also going to find ourselves um, in uh, Romans chapter 15. But uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. We are looking in the mirror this Advent season. We're just kind of taking a look, walking up to the mirror and saying, do I like what I see there? And uh, is that who I want to be? Now, I, I want to remind you, we're not looking at our physical being. Because if I looked in the mirror at my physical being, I'd be like every other guy saying, yeah, that's perfect right there, right? We're not looking at our physical stru- stru- structure, but rather we're looking at our hearts. We're looking at a reflection of ourselves to see who we are and who we're becoming. And as we as we do that, we're not engaging in some kind of morbid, introspective behavior. We're not looking there uh, to feel bad about ourselves or feel shame or feel unnecessary guilt, but rather we're looking at who we are so that we can transition into who it is that we believe God wants us to become. Last week, we talked about transitioning from being uh, um, overwhelmed to being overjoyed and how sometimes the holidays can overwhelm us and that's not what God has in mind. He wants us to be overjoyed. Today, we're going to talk about transitioning from being overfull to being overflowing. And the image that I have on the PowerPoint here, that is a biblical image. I know it looks to you like some kind of coffee latte thing that the pastor would just love to have, and that's true, but you know this particular image is mentioned in Scripture. He anointeth my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Right there it is. When I think of an overflowing cup, I think of a latte just pouring down the sides. And I have to lick those sides to get the caramel and everything else. Off. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want us to be. I want us to be overflowing with good things. And I think that's what God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be overfull. Nobody wants to be full of garbage. But rather, he wants us to be overflowing. Now, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, and then we're going to be in Romans 15. The passage in Luke chapter 2 is the story of the angels as they're speaking to the shepherds. And when I think of the angels, in the Christmas story, I think those are some people who were overflowing. Follow along and see if you feel the same. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. There were shepherds out living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Okay, there's not a lot of overflowing happening yet. I mean, the shepherds aren't overflowing. They're terrified. The King James said they are sore afraid. So that's not overflowing. Maybe overwhelmed, but not overflowing. But it's coming. Look at what happens with the hosts of heaven, that is, the company of heavenly angels, starting in verse 13, and you're going to see overflow. Verse 13 says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's overflow. And it's kind of contagious because when you read on in verse 15, it says, when the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in his heart, in her heart rather. (laughs) But you can see a little bit of overflow there, right? 
And then you really see the overflow of the angels coming out of the shepherds in verse 20 when it says, Now the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Overflow. I spend a lot of Christmas being overfull. Um, maybe you do too. I would rather be overflowing, though. Overflowing with praise like those in the passage today. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to be looking at Romans 15. But right now, I want to talk to you about how Christmas kind of makes us overfull. And when I say overfull, I mean uncomfortable. You know, like maybe when you've eaten two dinners and a very large brownie sundae, you know. Someone from our church family actually brought us a blueberry pie. And it was fresh out of their oven. And I said to Laurel, I would like to just cover this with ice cream and eat it all by myself right now. And, and I would have. She wouldn't let me. Had I done that, I would have been over full. Imagine how you would feel after eating a whole blueberry pie covered with ice cream. You would feel good while you're doing that, but afterward, maybe not. Christmas, obviously, overfills us with food at times. It's true. But I do want to say this. I am all for food at Christmas. And, and God, he is pro-food. I want you to know he is pro-blueberry pie. I'm not too sure about the pumpkin pie thing. Maybe God's for that, maybe he's not. But he's all about food. In fact, in the, in the opening book of the Bible, in Genesis, in chapter 2, it says the Lord God made trees that were pleasing to the eye, and here's the phrase, good for food. So yeah, God's pro-food. He's pro-cookies. He's pro-chocolate. He's pro-coffee. He's pro-turkey. He's pro-ham. You get the point. But while these things tend to overfill me, they do not cause me to overflow. They just don't do that. They don't. But it's not just food that overfills me at Christmas. Something else that overfills all of us at Christmas is stuff, you know, lots of stuff. I happen to notice on Facebook, I saw a post on Facebook um, that, that this person was giving things away. And they said, I got this stuff in my garage I need to get rid of. First come, first serve. And, and it was some pretty good stuff. There was a lawnmower in there. I just need to get rid of this garage stuff. And there was sports stuff in there. And there was honey stuff. There was clothing in there. I thought, huh, wonder what's going on there. So I looked around and I found a couple other people doing the same thing. Any idea why? On the second week of December, someone in Clearfield County would be saying, I kind of need to be rid of this junk. You know why, right? Because they got too much stuff and they know they're going to get more stuff and they're going to be over full if they don't get rid of some of it. Now, we all love giving and receiving Christmas gifts, but there are probably a good number of us who at the end of Christmas Day say, where am I going to put all this stuff? What am I going to do with all this stuff? And if at the end of Christmas Day, you look around and feel that way, you're probably over full. But you might not be overflowing. We noted last week that we're often overfilled with activities. If you weren't here last week, that sermon's online, you can listen there. I'm not going to give you the list again. You can probably just look at your own calendar and your own to-do list and say, yeah, I am over full of activities at this point. Christmas tends to make our calendars over full, but that doesn't guarantee that our lives will overflow. And when you take a look into the reflection in the mirror and you see yourself there, do you see someone who is overflowing or do you see someone who is over full? I want to be someone whose heart is overflowing. Now, there's a passage in Romans, it's Romans chapter 15, that speaks about what it means to overflow. And I kind of like to walk us through this text together. I hope your Bibles are open to it because I'm going to kind of do a running commentary as we go here. Let me give you some context. Romans is a heavy theological book of the Bible. And in, by the time you get to chapter 15, it's winding down a little bit. So the Apostle Paul is kind of just, he's kind of giving them, here's some really practical things I want you to do in light of what Christ has done for you. 
And so in verse 7, he says one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says these words, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So Paul's wrapping up this theological book in Romans, and he's talking to Christians who were there. And they come from diverse backgrounds. Some are rich, some are poor. Some are political, some are not. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles. And that's a big difference between a Jew and a Gentile. It really caused kind of a twofold problem to all of the people in the New Testament churches. The first problem was that under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, under the Jewish law, that a Jewish person wasn't even allowed to have a non-Jewish person under their roof. You can't even come over. I'm sorry, buddy. I know we're brothers in Christ, but I've been told all my life, this is what I've always been taught, that you're not allowed into my house. And and that caused a problem. And then the second problem was their cultures were very different. Different languages, different perspectives, some different values, different life experiences, different ways of thinking. And whenever you're with people who are a little bit different than you, if you're not intentional, then you will struggle to just accept them and they to accept you. Now, it's interesting to me, God doesn't doesn't answer those things by saying, let's do some kind of sensitivity training. He answers this question of how do we manage these differences between us with a simple command. I just read it. It's verse 7. Accept one another also just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Just get along. Accept each other. And if you feel like that's too hard, I hear God saying in this verse, just give consideration to how different the Lord Jesus Christ was from you, and yet he accepted you. And he's very different. How many here? Born of a virgin, put your hand up. Okay, all right. How many here the angels announced your birth? Can I see that? How many here, when you were born, there were kings, wise men, magi, from other lands who who brought gifts of gold and incense and myrrh? Anybody? No? No? How many of you are fully God and fully man? Can I see that? Yeah. None of us, right? It's ridiculous to think that we are. The difference between us and Jesus, even though he came and was born as a human being, the difference is still profound. And yet, he says right there in verse 7, Jesus accepted you as different as he is from you. I'm pretty sure you can accept one another in order to bring praise to God. Let's keep reading. Let's look at verse 8. I told you running commentary, right? Let's go to verse 8. It says, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. Wow, what is he talking about there? What's a... What's a patriarch? A patriarch is a father. A matriarch is a mother. So when he uses the word patriarch here, he's talking about their fathers in the faith, the fathers of the Jewish people in their faith. That would be people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those guys. Well, what promises were made to those? Well, the big promise that was made to them was made to Abraham. And it's right at the beginning of the Bible. You're you're only a dozen chapters into the whole Bible at Genesis 12, where God makes this promise to this one individual named Abraham. In fact, I'm going to put the promise on the screen so you can read it. God is speaking to him, and God says these words. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth, all peoples on earth, will be blessed through you. That's the promise made to the patriarchs. It is a promise that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, began to began to come to fulfillment in ways it never had before. 
Because when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, then suddenly the last line of that promise began to open up. Do you see the last line of that promise? It says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Jewish people, blessed through Abraham and his seed. Gentiles, blessed through Abraham and his seed. That blessing comes through Jesus, who Galatians says is the seed of Abraham. And Advent reminds us of that. As we continue reading Romans 15, we see this is in keeping with God's plan. It is done so that the promises are confirmed, and look at verse 9, and moreover that Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. It is as, writ- as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. Whoa. I'm starting to feel a little overflow there. (laughs) I will praise you among the Gentiles. That's a little bit of overflow. I will sing praises of your name. That's a little more overflow. Glorifying God for his mercy and his grace and his goodness. That's overflow. And at the advent of Christ, all peoples of earth are blessed and overflow begins like crazy. Verse 10. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. Overflow. Verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let the peoples extol him. Overflow. Verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, and that's Jesus, will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles have hope. Overflow. 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 But the verse that really shows the overflow, and the verse that I want to focus on today, is verse 13. Because verse 13 is kind of like a blessing. It says a benediction. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Listen to this phrase. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's our word. Overflow. So that you may overflow with hope. We don't have to be overfull. We can overflow with hope. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see someone who's overfull or do you see someone who's overflowing? If you want to overflow, then we should probably talk about what can genuinely fill us. And it's right in this passage. It's right there in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope fills us and causes us to overflow. He fills us with joy. He fills us with peace. Those are the kind of things that are made to overflow. Joy is not the kind of thing that you just kind of keep to yourself in a little box. When something great happens, you want to shout, you want to yell, you want to dance. You want to say, you're not going to believe what just happened. This is so good. And you're overflowing. Years ago, I did a wedding here at Kerwinsville Alliance that had kind of an odd ending. You know, the the weddings generally end with some kind of classical music that the bride and the groom walk down the aisle to. You know, the the newlywed game theme is built on that, right? And there they go, you know, and that's fun, right? This couple, when I spoke to them in advance, they said, "Uh, we have a song we want to have played at the end of our wedding. I said, what is the song? And they said, it's Manford Mann's Earth Band, Do-Wah-Diddy. Now we're together nearly every single day. Sing, come on, singing do wah diddy diddy dum diddy do Yeah! 
we want to do that song when we leave. And we're so happy, and that's how we're going to stay singing, do what it did. Yeah, I'm her, she's mine. I'm her, she's mine. Wedding bells are going to chime. That's what they played when they walked out, and they didn't walk out. They danced out to that song. We were a little more conservative church at that time, and I was a little worried what might happen. I was watching the roof not to fall, you understand, right? Hmm. But listen, as they danced down the aisle to that song, they overflowed. Hmm. Overflowing with joy that God had brought them together. It was a beautiful thing. I believe it was an act of worship and praise coming from their hearts. It was overflow. Overflow is something that God, the God of hope, can pour from you at a wedding or in the everyday. Because the God of hope fills us with all joy and peace as we trust in Him. So we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What genuinely fills us? It would be the God of hope. He fills us because He's the God in whom we trust. He is the God we trust. But it almost goes without saying that we have to choose to trust. I mean, listen to the verse once more. It's in the sidebar on the screen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow. Do you know Christians who are not overflowing with joy? Do you know Christians who are not overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? I do. I am often one of them. Perhaps you are too. There are a number of reasons for this. But one of those reasons is because maybe we're not trusting God at that moment in that situation regarding that issue. And when we fail to cast all our cares on Him, then we carry those cares. We're not trusting Him we're trusting our broken self to carry those sins. How's that working for us? Trust always seems to come into this equation with God, doesn't it? It's like the watchword, it seems sometimes, in all of Scripture. You know that if you want to lose your peace, and I can't imagine why you would want to, or if you want to forsake your joy, the quickest way to do that is just don't trust God. When I fail to intentionally trust God regarding any situation in my life, I, I, I tend to fall onto this kind of dark path. Do you know the path? It's a path I don't want to be on. It's a path that leads to the opposite of joy and the opposite of peace. It leads to depression. It leads to angst, to anxiety, to heartache, to sorrow, to discord. And that is not where God wants me to be. It's not where He wants you to be. God wants us to be overflowing with joy. That's what the blessing says in the text we're focusing on. So choose to trust the God who fills you. And when you do, you overflow. So number one, you overflow when you are filled with the God of hope. Number two, you overflow when you are filled with the God of trust. Number three, you're overflowed when you're filled with the God who came to dwell in you. Now, if I was Josh Thatchick, I would be a better man. Josh is the master of the um, illustration when it comes to doing the, the show and tell kind of thing. You know, if you've heard Josh preach, he almost always has some kind of visual aid to help him along. I don't have that because I'm not quite as prepared as he. 
So you're going to have to kind of use your imagination. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that I have two jars of water. I have one right here, and it is like 90% full. It's at 90% capacity. And I have a second jar of water, and it is bone dry. And that's all I have. But I want to use an illustration, a visual aid. I want to show you what a jar of water looks like when it's overflowing. And so I, I think I need to put water into that jar. And I don't need a whole lot. I just need to make it overflow. But this jar is empty. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll just take water from this jar and I'll put it over here. And I'll put this back. And now I can use this water to cause that jar to overflow, right? That doesn't work, does it? It's kind of like the guy that cut off the top of his blanket so he could sew it onto the bottom to cover his toes. It's not going to work, right? I, I think that that does serve to illustrate a reality that if you're going to be overflowing, you're going to have, a, have to have a source of inflow from beyond yourself. Do you understand that? You can't make this overflowing thing happen on your own. And that source of inflow is the Holy Spirit of God, the one who came to dwell in you. When you read the scripture and you hear of Jesus coming at Advent, you read passages that say he came unto his own and he made his dwelling among us and he pitched his tent among us and, and he took on human flesh so he could be among us. Jesus says when he's getting ready to leave later in the gospel of John, he says, I am leaving you, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit the counselor, he will be with you. And then he says, he will be in you. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God has come and inhabited your life. If you have turned from your sins and are trusting Christ as your Savior, then the Spirit of Christ lives inside of you. And he is the source from which overflow will come. It is a supernatural thing. And so if you're going to be genuinely filled so that you can genuinely overflow, you will need the Spirit of God to be doing this. You will need to surrender to Him and ask Him to fill you. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians. He's talking about being filled with the Spirit. And he uses, a, he uses wine as an illustration. He says, don't be filled or drunk with wine, but rather, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are a certain sense, there are a certain group of theological nerds that love Greek grammar. Something is wrong with them. They love to study Greek grammar. And when they study the particular language that God uses in Ephesians when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, they note that it doesn't mean like a one-time thing, be filled with the Holy Spirit. A more literal rendering of that would be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the image that they often use, these Greek scholars, is they say, it is like you turn on a spigot of water, hold a cup under it, and leave it there. It is constantly being supplied by the flow from the faucet, and it is overflowing. That is what we should be constantly supplied by the Spirit of God, so the overflow that comes out of our life comes from Him. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let Him overflow in your life. What genuinely fills us is the God of hope, the God we trust, and the God who came to dwell in us, the Spirit of God. So how does that happen? Well, let me give you maybe some take-home points. 
if I can. And the first one is this. <laughs> Avoid filling your life with junk. Avoid filling your life with junk. Do you know why the people on social media are saying, hey, I need to get this stuff out of my garage? Because they allow it to become full of junk, right? Avoid filling your own life with junk. If you're over full, then you will have trouble overflowing. This is a very sobering statement I'm about to say. But for some of us, our lives are already filled with things that simply prevent the Spirit of God from overflowing from within. Avoid filling your life with junk. And if you have filled it with some junk, take it out. Now, I'm not going to tell you what those things are that you need to take out of your life. You know what they are. Because as soon as I said, avoid filling your life with junk, those are the things that came into your head. Oh, I think he's going to talk about this. Right? Those things, for some of them, you'll have to just dump them. I am done with this, God. Others, you're going to just have to repent. God, this was the wrong thing to put into my life. This bitterness, this this anger, this grudge I'm holding, this gossipy attitude, this lustful thing that's in my life, whatever it is, God, I repent of that. Please forgive me. Some of them are going to have to cut them off at the source. I'm just not going to allow that into my life anymore. But if you want your life to overflow and not just be over full, then you're going to have to avoid filling it with junk. Second, make Christ your focus through Advent. <laughs> Subscribe to an Advent reading plan on the on Bible app. Attend a children's Christmas musical for yourself. Not just because you know that we have the cutest kids in the county, but for yourself so that God can speak to you. Tune in to radio stations that are playing Christmas music, not just seasonal music. Do you know the difference? And I'm not one of those pastors who said, I really hate all those Christmas songs. I love all those Christmas songs. My favorite Christmas song is Thoroughly Pagan. Chestnuts roasting on a rope and fire. There's nothing about Jesus in it. I don't care. It's my favorite. I love that song, right? But that song will not cause me to overflow. I'll tell you what will cause me to overflow. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Fall on your knees. Hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night that Christ was born. That song will help me to overflow. So tune into radio stations that give you that. Attend a Christmas Eve service. I gotta tell you, our Christmas Eve service, I've never been here. I've been here 22 years. I've never been to a Christmas Eve service here that I did not know the Spirit of God was here so thick I could cut it with a knife. You understand? It's amazing to me. And here's something that you don't know. I almost always write a Christmas devotional, but I'll bet you four out of five times I don't give that devotional because the Spirit of God is so present, He says, say something else. And I say the something else. You want to come to that service. Just saying. You want to be in those kind of environments because that is how you make Christ your focus through Advent. And that is how you overflow. Here's the third pointer. Choose to trust God in all things. You know, uh, look at our key verse once more. If it's open in your Bible, if it's not, I'll put it on the bottom of the screen. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And here's a phrase. As you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You choose to trust in Him. And then you can begin to overflow. So, uh, this past week, I went to our Western Pennsylvania District Christmas party on Thursday night. And uh, I'm not the kind of guy that likes to go to those things. Um, because I don't know how to make small talk. Isn't that weird? I'm a pastor, and I don't know how to make small talk. And uh, But my wife loves me, and my wife says, we should go to that. And so here we are. We're going to. On the way down, I'm saying, you know, I don't want to go to this next year. You know, that's, that's me, right? But while I'm there, one of the people who spoke told a story. I want to, I want to relay her story to you because it was she encountered a woman who was overflowing. The woman who's speaking said, when I was a teenage girl, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't go to church. Not at all. My life was school and school was friends. And I don't know if you've been around teenage girls, but they can be mean. And my best friends, who were really kind of my only life, they turned on me. They became the mean girls. There's mean boys too. They became the mean girls. And I didn't know how to handle it. But I knew someone who might be able to help me. It was my neighbor a couple doors down. She went to church all the time, but that was not why I thought she could help me. I thought maybe she could help me because just a couple years earlier, her 10-year-old son had died of leukemia. And from two doors down, I watched that family. And I saw in them overflow that I couldn't figure out where that came from. They managed that loss in a way that seemed otherworldly. And now that I am dealing with a loss as a teenage girl, I'm going to go to them. I knocked on the door, and the mom, who'd lost her 10-year-old just a couple years before, opened the door and said, Hi, come on in. That mom had a migraine that day. You ever have a migraine? She had that girl come in, sit at her table in the kitchen. I'm imagining there were milk and cookies. I don't know. <laughs> and they sat there, and that girl poured her heart out to that adult woman. And that adult woman told her of a friend who will never leave her or forsake her. And out of the overflow of that woman's life, in the midst of very difficult circumstances, from the recent loss of a child to a migraine headache at the moment, she still overflowed in a way that that teenage girl said, I want Jesus. I want, I want to follow Jesus. And today, she's the wife of an Alliance pastor serving a congregation just like you out of her own overflow. Overflow is so powerful. Being overfull is so powerless. What do you see when you look into the mirror? Do you see someone who's overfull? Or do you see someone who is overflowing? I want to pray that you could be and that I could be men and women, boys and girls, who are overflowing with the person of Christ. If you're comfortable doing so, let's stand together as the worship team comes and we will unite our hearts in prayer. Let's bow our hearts together, shall we? Father in heaven, as we come before you, we have looked into the mirror and we probably saw a mixture of things. In some respects, we probably saw that we are overfull, and we don't like that. 
It's not who we want to see. And we maybe saw a little bit that we're overflowing, and we like that a lot. That is what we want. We want to be overflowing. Overflowing with life. Overflowing with joy. Overflowing with love. Overflowing with compassion. Overflowing with encouragement. Overflowing with a sense of your presence and your spirit. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to be overflowing. Fill us with yourself, the God of hope. You are the God in whom we trust. And it is your spirit, it is your spirit who can over, overfill us <laughs> so that we can overflow. May we be being filled with your spirit. May we avoid filling our life with junk. May we make you, Jesus, the focus point of our advent. And may we trust you, God, in all things. I want to give you an appendix, okay? Just that little part at the end of the book where the author said, maybe this is important to you. Let me just give you this information. And anytime that someone speaks to you um, regarding being overflowing and you're going through a difficult season in life, that can be that can be stressful and that can be painful and that can feel unfair. Like you could you could hear a sermon like I gave you today and you could feel like, well, that's just fine, but I am not overflowing and it hurts too bad for me to pretend I am. I get that. He gets that. You understand that? And the, and the thing I don't want you to do is walk away from here feeling guilty or shameful because overflow isn't coming right now. I don't want that. I don't want you to, to feel that way. The other thing I don't want you to do is say, well, I guess I'll just never be overflowing. I mean, that woman lost her baby to leukemia, her 10-year-old to leukemia. I'll never be over. I can never be. I don't want you to do that. Here's my prayer. I want you to see wherever you are. And I want you to journey from that person in the mirror who you see now to being the person that you wish you were. A person who will overflow. And, and, and the word that you need to hear right now is process. If there was a mistake that I believe the evangelical church made in the past several decades, it was giving you the idea that you can figure everything out at an altar in a 10-minute prayer maybe with an elder. That's valuable. Prayer with an elder is valuable. But the stuff of life is processed over time. And it's processed in dialogue with godly people. So do not feel, if you feel like, Pastor Steve, I just can't overflow. Admit that to God and say, I can't, but I want to. And please help me to move this journey through this journey of my life, this season of my life that I'm in now, to become who I want to see in the mirror, someone who overflows. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant,